Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. way when you hear things the things that I've been hearing lately I hear things and I'm like am I the only motherfucker that read 1984 am I the only motherfucker that knows what doublethink is that knows what suspension of disbelief is am I the only motherfucker that ever read fucking dictionaries and encyclopedias am I the only one that paid attention do you do you find yourself asking that I I I get in my head like that and I hear it because I hear people use words in ways that those words were not meant to be used. And I love words. I I like I like knowing my terms. You know, whenever I'm in a conversation with someone, I don't just assume what definition they're using is the same as the definition I'm using for simple things like cup or window or door. I, I know I should be able to make that assumption, but I I have lost a little bit of confidence in the American citizens, my American neighbors, um, because I don't always know that we both think that a cup is a cup, right? And that a door is a door and a window is a window. And that's a travesty. So I do that in part to let the other person know that I want to hear what they're saying And so I will always ask for clarity so that there's no misunderstanding because, you know, we hate being misunderstood. But I feel like, oh my God, I feel like I'm going insane when I hear people say things and use words in context where you should never fucking use that word, for instance, okay? Here's my first example. This is incredulous. So Dr. Colleen McNicholas of St. Louis Planned Parenthood was uh, testifying, bitching, whining, complaining before some committee post the overturning of Roe v. Wade and talking about how this is a stain in American history. But then she goes on to say, and I quote, abortion is normal, it's an act of love, and it is fundamentally healthcare, end quote. And I'm like, okay, um, Abortion is not normal. And the fact that we're trying to normalize abortion is obnoxious and dangerous. And I say this as someone who has had an abortion. 21 years ago, I had an abortion. 21 years ago, this month, I had an abortion. And that is not a normal procedure. 
That is not health care. That is death care. That is death care for a child. And I'm starting to realize the very intentionality behind so many of the popular phrases and pieces of rhetoric that are repeatedly and redundantly and incessantly amplified and imitated. There's nothing normal about abortion, but they want you to believe it is. This is a very cute tactic of implementing what George Orwell wrote in 1984 as double think, okay? Health care doesn't mean health care, okay? And, and let's think about why. Let's think about what's the leading cause of Americans. Hmm, it's, it's malpractice. It's misdiagnosis. It's surgical error. Yeah, doctors kill us more than disease does. But disease is a nice cover. But disease, as we know, originates from the processed garbage and the toxic chemicals that we consume. And so, of course, they'll allow that stuff to be sold because it creates, quote unquote, health care. It's death care. It's caring for you as you're slowly dying. Because let's be honest, we're all dying. From the day we're born, we start dying. But abortion is not normal. It is not an act of love. I never once deluded myself in any moment in believing that when I was having an abortion, that this was an act of love. In fact, I was fearful that I would be sentenced to an eternity in a pit fire of hell because my mom was in this John Piper stage of belief and I didn't even tell my mother that I was pregnant or that I was having an abortion because I had just had a baby a year and a year before that a year and a half before that I I couldn't have another baby not right now but that was not an act of love Now, my ex probably deluded himself in believing that what he was doing was loving because it was loving and protecting our our other child. Because if we had another one right now, we wouldn't be able to give our first child everything our first child deserved. But that was not an act of love, okay? And words have to mean something. Words have to matter, okay? Love does not look like walking into an abortion clinic And having a tube inserted into your vaginal canal to suck your baby out through the sac piece by piece. And to watch it be sucked up into this cute little container right right next to me. Okay? I literally got to see the remnants of my child as it was sucked from my womb. So that is not an act of love. And I'm not here trying to condemn myself or the act of abortion okay I don't have regrets I feel like I repented even though I'm in a place now where I know that wasn't necessary and I got pregnant six months later for me that was my sign that God was forgiving me because yes for the six months in between I was fearful I would burn in hell like I was going through like such a trauma theological trauma right of having just a really shitty Christian ideology So no, 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 no. Abortion is not normal. I am hesitant to say it should never occur. I don't want to say that. I I had one. I don't want to be a hypocrite. But I have significantly changed my position. And I have changed my mind about my position of abortion so many times. Because the first time I got pregnant, I was pro-life. 
okay? I didn't even hesitate for a moment when I found out I was 18 and pregnant, right? I'm, I'm having this baby. I shocked everybody. All of my friends tried to convince me to have an abortion. Um, my ex wanted me to have an abortion. His family wanted me to have an abortion. I had friends who had had abortions. I had one friend who had already gone through three abortions before she had graduated high school. I had seen all that, and I had formed an opinion in my head, is this what people do? They use abortion as birth control? Why didn't you just get on the pill? Not that the pill always works. I got pregnant with my first child on the pill. But anyway, not the point. It's not normal. And although I'm hesitant to say this, it should be a last resort, okay? And I'm not even trying to talk about, what about rape? What about incest? What about child molestation? These are very rare instances. And as far as it stands right now, there are still a lot of states that allow abortion and a lot of them up to viability, which is 19 to 23 weeks, depending on the state you're in here in the state of Minnesota. I think it's like 20 weeks. So I don't want to say fuck abortion, end abortion. No one should get an abortion. I'm not going to take that position because like I've said, I've changed my mind so many times. I'm confident in believing that if a woman is given the right information, maybe not the right information, if a woman is given enough information and she still comes to the decision to make that choice to abort, I don't want to judge her for that. I didn't want people to judge me for my decision. So it should be a last resort is all I'm saying. It should be thought upon and a bit quickly, right? You don't get to ponder this for a year. You have less than a year. You have less than six months, really. But again, if a woman is truly informed, if she's keeping up on her cycle, if she finds out right away, first day of missed period, oh, I wonder if I'm pregnant, and starts the, the, the thinking process right there. Anyway, let's back out of that. That doesn't matter. Now, if you want to get into a beef about it, you know, go ahead. But as it stands, it's not normal. It is not an act of love. And it, there is no fundamental health care in, in murdering a baby. Look. And that's what I did. That's what I feel like I did. I murdered a baby when I was 20 by having an abortion. And I can say that without a moral judgment on myself, okay? But I know what murder is. It's taking a life. So that is what I did because I believe that a child has life from conception, from heartbeat. And I, I'm too spiritually connected to my womb and to my experiences of birthing all of my children, all five of them, to deny that, okay? So now on to more people using more words that don't mean what they think they do. Manipulated, exploited, raped. These words are being raped, okay? Senator Elizabeth Warren, people, she always has something so smart to say. So she's outraged, of course, right? Because if you are a Democrat and you're a woman, you must be outraged about this because you have instantly lost so many rights. You are now worth you are worth less than a gun. So she's, she's mad and she starts saying, and I quote, those crisis pregnancy centers that are there to fool people who are looking for pregnancy termination help outnumber true abortion clinics by three to one. We need to shut them down, not only here in Massachusetts, but all over the country. You should not be able to torture a pregnant person like that, end quote. It's torture to provide a crisis pregnancy center to provide more options other than just termination. 
That's torture. See, now this, this is not what torture is. We know what torture is. This is, this is incredible programming for an entire generation that basically helps mold them into frail, flimsy, overly ignorant, overly isolated, and coddled, and comforted, spoiled little brats who will never be able to develop their skills in adaptability, in tolerance, in resiliency, in genuine understanding of other. These people are going to have such narrow views. And look at them. They are being convinced that being given other options through a crisis pregnancy center is torture, is torture. It's torture to help people and encourage and admonish young pregnant mothers to not murder their babies. This is what Elizabeth Warren is saying. Really, she, she later goes on to basically call these things evil. They're evil because they're fooling people. You're fooling these women into thinking there's some purpose or benefit to not murdering a baby and possibly considering just taking responsibility for her own fucking actions and raising a child and recognizing and realizing what a divine and spiritual purposeful choice this could be for her and could literally empower her. We are at our fullest divinity and fullest understanding of the allness of life when we are pregnant, ladies. That is not to diminish women who have never had children. But if you want to experience ultimate feminine divinity, that is experienced through creation of life, of energy, of moreness, of you. And these fucking outrageous democratic dickheads, for lack of a better word, I apologize, are trying to convince you that love is murder and that help is torture. Sounds like war is peace and ignorance is strength and freedom is slavery. When I think about Elizabeth Warren suggesting that crisis pregnancy centers are evil, it makes me think of a verse from the Bible. And maybe maybe this has resonance with you. Maybe you've been seeing this all the time too. It comes from Isaiah 5.20. This I'm reading from the King James Version. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This is what's taking place in the United States of America right now. I don't want to rain on your parade. I don't want to erode your hope and optimism for the people of this country, but a very good majority of the citizens of this country are literally calling those things that are evil good and those things that are good evil. Help is evil. Help is torture. Having a baby, taking personal accountability is torture. Having a baby is evil. Okay, so if you want to hop on this bandwagon of conspiracy theory 
and that there is an agenda amongst the eugenicist elitists, new world order, I believe poor people need to be eradicated group, then yeah, having a baby is evil and totally goes against the agenda because we don't want more. Well, maybe they want more, but they only want more of their kind. They don't want more of people who utilize logic, who utilize rational thought, who think for themselves. Thinking for yourself is evil. This coincides with that little term that I used earlier, suspension of disbelief. This is going to be a nice segue into doublethink. But I want to read to you from Wikipedia. Suspension of disbelief is sometimes called the willing suspension of disbelief is the intentional avoidance of critical thinking or logic in examining something unreal or impossible in reality, such as the work of speculative fiction, in order to believe it for the sake of enjoyment. Aristotle first explored the idea of the concept in its relation to principles of theater. The audience ignores the unreality of fiction in order to experience a catharsis. Okay, so we've all been there, right? We've all been involved in the Marvel Universe, for instance, or Game of Thrones, or Lord of the Rings, or Star Wars, or whatever fictional enthrallment that you've experienced in your life. I'm just using a movie as one example, but we've all been there. We know that what's taking place is fictional, but we become enthralled in it. And honestly, I think that's what's going on right now. I don't know if you're like me in that when COVID first hit, I I didn't believe it. I was like, this is not real. This is crazy. What is taking place is insane. But then I remembered George Orwell in 1984. Reality is either what you experience through an objective lens or reality is whatever the television program or mainstream media is giving you, right? That's reality. They want to convince you that's reality. That's not reality. But again, going back to 1984, looking out and thinking this reality was fictional and that I couldn't believe it. But see, in 1984, the party's goal is to create reality and to convince everybody that the reality that's been presented within that moment is all that there is, that there is no past, there is no history, except for the history the party says is history. Now, are you paying attention? Because history is slowly being eroded. Certain faces of a certain skin tone have been removed from certain franchises of consumable products. Let's talk about Aunt Jemima in the syrup. Let's talk about Uncle Ben's in the rice, okay? The removal of any non-white faces from consumer good. If we erase the proof of the past that progress has occurred, we can forever convince people there has been no progress and there will be no progress unless the party presents you with the progress and tells you there has been progress. But for you to compare the progress of today to the past is not allowed. And I don't know if you've been paying attention to Biden and Kamala and the shit show spectacle that is our quote-unquote government, but they're doing exactly that. Biden denies everything he has previously said because if he confesses to it, 
he has to admit that he's contradicted himself. And when we contradict ourselves, that's another way of saying, I might have been wrong. And I don't think there's ever been a standing president, maybe JFK, uh, who has ever admitted to being wrong. I don't know if politicians know how to say those words, I might have been wrong. That's not even an absolute acknowledgement that I was wrong, just that I might have been. And that coincides brilliantly with the blueprint of 1984. And so now I'd just like to read you a little excerpt from 1984. The alteration of the past is necessary for two reasons, one of which is subsidiary and, so to speak, precautionary. The subsidiary reason is that the party member, like the proletarian, tolerates present-day conditions partly because he has no standards of comparison. He must be cut off from the past, just as he must be cut off from foreign countries, because it is necessary for him to believe that he is better off than his ancestors and that the average level of material comfort is constantly rising. But by far the more important reason for the readjustment of the past is the need to safeguard the infallibility of the party. It is not merely that speeches, statistics, and records of every kind must be constantly brought up to date in order to show that the predictions of the party were in all cases right. It is also that no change or doctrine or in political alignment can ever be admitted. For to change one's mind or even one's policy is a confession of weakness. At all times, the party is in possession of the absolute truth, and clearly the absolute can never be different from what it is now. Isn't, isn't that interesting? So I want you to just reflect on that. Think about it. Ask yourself if there's any resonance there in Orwell's words. Have you been seeing that take place? I know I have. Seen everything change. I know that I see definitions of the word vaccine have changed over the last few years. Torture is now help. Having a baby is evil. Being pro-life is evil and torture. So... We understand words are changing. Even what a woman is, is changing. Just pay attention to the little things and make a mental note of it. Don't let yourself be convinced that your memory is wrong. I know there's a lot of studies out there that say that, you know, our memories are false. But our minds and our memory, just as Orwell writes in 1984, are the only weapons that we have. And just like in 1984, the party aims to make you turn against your own mind, to destroy your dignity, to destroy what you understand to be true, to destroy what you have seen with your own eyes and to convince you that what you see with your own eyes is not reality, but for you to just hear that the reality that is real is whatever the party says it is. Now, here, here, let's go back to this. Have we seen a destruction of dignity? Have we seen that game? Well, if you think about it, this trans agenda, and yes, I'm calling it a trans agenda because while I can understand and accept and have empathy for those who suffer from body dysmorphia, and I understand that there are traumas and childhood emotional experiences that can really catapult a person into a self-loathing. I don't think that the answer is gender-affirming amputation, okay? I don't think that we should be in support of that. But so, going back to what I was, the point I was trying to make, I'm going to give you an example. I went to Papa Murphy's a few weeks ago to pick up some pizzas, didn't feel like cooking, go in there, and everybody working has their name tag on 
and a little button that says my pronouns are and then a little space for them to fill in what their pronouns are, right? I walk in, I see three women. One had blue hair, one had rainbow colored hair, and another just had a short haircut, okay? I'm going to tell you why I assumed these three individuals were women. They had feminine features in their face. They had feminine voices, okay? And they all had very large chests, right? Bosoms, boobies, big old mammaries, okay? So for me to look at them, I see them as women. But oh no, according to the agenda, what I see with my own eyes is not real anymore because according to their pronouns, one identified as he, him, another as they, them, and then the rainbow colored, oh, she, her. Okay, well, one for three, one out of three ain't bad, I guess. But this is what I'm talking about. We are being convinced that what we see with our own eyes is not real. Just like so many people worked so hard to try and convince people that drag queen shows are not inappropriate for little children or that having a drag queen reading to your children during story time about sexual orientation, that's that's totally appropriate. We are being told to ignore what we see with our eyes, to ignore what we hear with our ears and told, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's absolutely normal. Abortion is normal, that it's normal to reject biological sex, that it's normal to say there's 90-something genders. This is trickery. This is foolery. This is amazing psychological programming. For those of us that are standing outside of this ever-growing bandwagon, we're watching all these people jump on and going, do you have no concern for your dignity, right? Your dignity is being destroyed by being convinced that what you see is not what you see, okay? Don't look up. There's not an asteroid coming towards us. Don't look up. Just don't look. Just don't look. Just don't think. Just don't think. Suspension of disbelief. Ignore logic. Don't worry about it. Everything is a fiction. It's just a spectacle for your entertainment. Don't think about it. Don't think. You know, I hear that a lot when I question memes, right? You see someone shared a meme, you got 600 likes on it. I'm that one person that's like, wait, I don't get it. What are we agreeing to here? Do you not see the obvious contradiction in the meme that you shared? And do you know what people say? It's the internet. Why are you thinking about it? It's not that deep. It's just a meme. And I thank God, you people, you don't even think about what you share. You just see words, you see likes, and you go, oh, other people like it. I will share it so other people like it from my angle too. This makes me feel like I am in an agreeable group of like-minded individuals and that none of us think. We just share. We just like. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's going on. Okay, so moving on. I want to get through some what I'd like to call fabulous fuckery. That's what we'll call this, fabulous fuckery. This is the fabulous fuckery portion of the show. And so the first thing I want to discuss is the shock and complete confusion that a New Jersey female prison is wrestling through because somehow, weirdly, a transgender woman 
impregnated other female inmates. Huh. And that's because we were supposed to believe that a man who dresses up in women's clothing and calls himself a trans woman is a woman. And that a trans woman is a woman, even though a trans woman in this case obviously had a penis. But even so, they're just stumped. Just stumped at, at, you know, a trans woman getting other women pregnant, you know, penis. This individual is no longer at that woman's prison. Demi Minor 27 was transferred to the Garden State Youth Correctional Facility, a prison for young adult offenders in Burlington County. Okay, this is, I'm reading from the article. He said the DOC moved Minor to the vulnerable unit at the facility and that she is currently the only women prisoner on the site. So again, the individual is no longer there, but now is in a new facility where that individual is the only one that identifies as a woman. Nothing bad's going to happen there either, I'm sure, because prisons are top-notch for morals and ethics. I understand that people think you need to be a biologist in order to determine sex and, like, gender is fluid and all of that stuff. But the first thing I want to say is gender is derived from sex, which is binary, which is on a duality. There's male or female, and in some very rare instances, there's intersex, okay? Gender is derivative of the duality of male and female. So we go to masculine and feminine. It's weird. It's weird how gender is a duality based on the duality of sex, I know. But neither here nor there. Let's let's move on. Again, trans woman is not a woman. A trans woman who has a penis cannot be a woman and has no business being put in a woman's prison. And I didn't think it took a biologist to deduce what the consequence would be of that. Oh, duh, duh. Someone with a penis went into an all-woman's fucking prison. And, oh, we're so surprised that, that women ended up pregnant. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, okay, next. So, recently announced, Leah Thomas nominated by University of Pennsylvania for the NCAA Woman of the Year Award. Folks, again... We are being told that what we see with our eyes cannot be believed because a man can turn around and for five minutes call himself a woman and then congratulations, let's nominate you for a Woman of the Year award because you spent a whopping five seconds pretending to be a woman simply by taking a label and attaching it to yourself and changing your name. Do we not care at all for feminine divinity? I'm sorry. I tried. I tried to do the bandwagon thing. I tried to be inclusive. I tried to suspend logic. I tried to, but I can't. And now I'm not saying logic is always the answer. I was trying to be empathetic. I was trying to be understanding. I want to understand the mindset behind someone who feels like the body that they're in is some kind of a prison that they need to escape from. But then to that, I would say you need intensive therapy and you need to heal from your trauma. I wouldn't say go dress up and pretend that you're something that you're not. I think we all do a fair amount of pretending as it is. We all pick up personas. We all wear masks. And, you know, my goal has always been how can we strip down all the way to the full erotic self, which is the authentic self, which is the truly divine beings that we are. But this kind of bullshit fucks with our ability 
to integrate into the fullness of the I am. So I will not be on board in support of this. We don't need to diminish people because we disagree with the reality that they're living with in their heads, right? We don't need to be mean. We don't need to be condescending. But we do not need to deny the dignity of our own understanding of basic biology. And we were all jumping up and down over science. And I, for two years, the science, the science, the science, but like the science established long ago, Male, female, woman, man, boy, girl. These are words that do not need to be updated. They don't need to be rebranded. Okay, I know there's a lot of rebranding going on, right? We've got the pharmaceutical companies rebranding viruses so that they can rebrand vaccinations so that they can make more money off of our ignorance and inability to just fucking take care of ourselves, And so now we have a rebranding within our country, within our society of, I don't even know what they want the culture to be. If you ask me, it's a cross between 1984 and a brave new world. And I'm sure we can shove in some other dystopian ideology and show us all of these multiple agendas that are really working, I think, honestly, to just create a society of insanity, but controlled insanity, as George Orwell put it in 1984. But we know. Leah Thomas is not a woman, definitely not a woman of the year. And we need to stop thinking that it's somehow mean or unkind or transphobic if we say that, no, honey, a cup is a fucking cup and a vulva is what defines a woman and a penis is what defines a man, okay? Because you were born with one. Now, I don't want to hear about these weird instances where what if they're not? I'm not going to tell you that a woman is someone that has to give birth because that isn't true. I will tell you, again, the fullness of a woman can only be experienced through motherhood. But we're not doing this. I am not going to pretend that just because some man grew his hair out and decided to wear a woman's swimsuit and tuck his cock in between his fucking legs, that that's a woman. That's not a woman. My husband has long hair. And I could easily put one of my swimsuits on him and ask him to tuck his cock in between his thighs. That doesn't make him a fucking woman. And I guess I'm just tired of being quiet about, like, what's obvious. What's self-evident, okay? Uh, What is a woman? I am a woman. And I'd like to share with you a little bit more of what is a woman from Matt Walsh. So here's a clip that I want you to listen to. What do you mean by assigned female? Who, who assigns female? Yeah, so um, most times people, when they're born, um, they're assigned a gender. By the, the doctors. doctors. Yeah. Like, what, do they, what do they base that assignment on? So basically, it's, it's based on genitalia. Um, so people looking at genitalia and deciding, okay, this is a, a girl or a boy. Um, and we know now that like that sex and gender are so much more than just this binary. Some women have penises, right? Some men have vaginas. Um, that that that's not how how gender works. How do we know that? How do we know that that's not true? Where, where did we where did we learn that from? Yeah, well, we I I learned that um, from hearing from transgender people who've said like, oh, I'm a trans woman, um, and just because I happen to have a penis, right? That doesn't 
mean that this is like who I am as a person um, or, or that genitalia doesn't equal gender, um, who they are, their gender, their gender expression, um, that yeah, a trans woman is a woman. With the fluidity of these things, how do I know if, if I'm a woman? You know, I, I That's a great I like, question. I like scented candles. And yeah. I've watched Sex and the City. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how do I know? Yeah, Matt, that question right there, like that question is like when it's asked with a lot of curiosity, right? That's the beginning of a lot of people's like gender identity development journeys. If my mom who gave birth to me is a woman mm-hmm. and my wife is a woman, um, though I haven't asked her, maybe I should. Um, but if they're all women and also the boy who sits down with you and says, I, I think I'm a girl actually is one, then, then what is a woman? Mm. great question. I'm not a woman, so I, I can't really answer that. Okay. Okay. I'm not done. So we're going to, we're going to cut into another clip again. This is from the documentary, What is a Woman by Matt Walsh, and it is available on Daily Wire Plus. I'm not promoting them. I just, that's where I gained access through it. So here, here's some more. We're talking about gender in society. Let me start with a real basic question. What is a woman? I don't want to assume, but you guys are all yeah. women. Yeah, we're all yeah, women. So how would you define it, like in the simplest terms? That is hard. Yeah, it is. It is a stumper. A woman is someone that likes to be pretty and think of themselves as a delicate creature. I'm pretty and delicate. Okay. <laughs> I could be a woman too. Yes, you could. Defining womanhood is just a project of someone who identifies as a woman. Yeah, but what, like, what do they identify? You see what I'm saying? What do they identify as? They identify as a woman, but what is that? I honestly don't know. Dr. Marcy Bowers is the nation's preeminent sex change surgeon. Surely someone who does sex change surgeries can answer what a woman is. Dr. Marcy Bowers, first of all, thanks for talking to us. My pleasure. So you're a world-renowned gynecologist and surgeon. You're also a transgender woman. Can you tell me a little bit about... Well, I mean, I, I identify as a woman, but... You're a woman, right. I'm a woman with... I mean, that's my life mm-hmm. day-to-day, but I have a transgender history. Hmm. So one, one thing on your website, it says uh, gender-affirmed, GAV, gender-affirming vaginoplasty. Mm-hmm. What is that exactly? A vaginoplasty is creation of of female uh, a female vagina and vulva. We're altering the physical characteristics of the individual to to fit better with a gender identity that that is female. This is all constructed from the penis. Yes, that's right. The surgeries are quite refined in the sense that they really not only do they look like female anatomy, but they also function that way for the most part. I mean, certainly it's a bit of a Faustian bargain. You know, it's not perfect. Does anyone ever regret their surgeries? Or, well, we know they do, but how often do people regret their surgeries? Well, actually, we don't know that they do. There are legitimate detransitioners, and there are people who truly feel that in their journey, they may have made a mistake. Now, 
fortunately, this is a really, really uncommon phenomenon. I don't know if you've ever heard of people in the trans-abled community. These are people who are physically able-bodied but feel like they should be disabled or identify as such. Uh, for example, a man who has two arms but feels like he should have one. If a, if a man in this kind of marginalized community was went to the doctor and said, I want to have my arm cut off, do you think that... That doesn't have anything to do with gender identity. Well, it's uh, some, someone's someone's self-identity, how someone identifies. That's, um, so that's someone who has a, um, a, and I'll accept it as a mental diagnosis, a psychiatric condition. I don't even pretend to know what aptomenophilia is all about. But somehow it's the idea that you, you know, you're know, you fascinated or charmed by having a limb or part of a limb missing. Hmm. Okay, I would say that's, uh, pardon my non-medical language, kooky. You don't see any? You think this is totally irrelevant? Yep. So the biggest, broadest question is, what is a woman? A woman is a... You know, it's a combination of your physical attributes and then what you're showing to the world and the gender clues that you give. And hopefully those match your gender identity. The critics on the other side of this, of, uh, of, this, of this issue. There aren't many, but go ahead. There aren't many who would disagree with what you're saying about? Well, you know, the dinosaurs of the world are certainly out there. Are there many people that regret their transition? Oh, there that's rare. That's rare. But I'm going to I'm going to give you a reason why it's rare and the doctor said it. There are people who feel like deep down that they made a mistake. Now, do you remember what I read to you about Orwell? You mistake. You can't make a mistake. So I'm going to tell you one of the reasons you don't hear about the detransition and the depression and suicidal thoughts that follow this, the, the physical surgical transition are not shared and are not amplified, are not given microphones and platforms to speak about. Because if you do, you are basically admitting that you made a mistake. This agenda will fall apart if there are too many people out there that have gone through to the other side of this and have come out going, no, this is awful. This is horrible. I should have never done this. I wish I would have had someone talk some sense into me rather than affirming me and just being agreeable. You don't hear about When you do hear about it, look, and I follow a bunch of individuals who have detransitioned, okay, on Twitter, they're out there. And when they do share their stories, they are threatened, they are censored, they are suspended, they are banned, they're completely canceled. They are called transphobes. They are they are called horrendous names. They're called liars. They're mocked. They're told they just didn't do it right. They're told they just didn't take on the right, they didn't take the right hormones. You know, they didn't get the right aftercare therapy, that they did something wrong because if you transition and change your mind, that's a mental disorder. <laughs> but wait, there's more of this documentary, What is a Woman? 
that speaks to this. And so we're going to go there now. I, I never fit. I was, a, I was an alpha female, a, a sales executive that kind of just didn't fit in any box. When psychologists or somebody that I was in love with or whatever said that I was in the wrong body, I started to think, well, maybe I am. I'm a biological woman that medically transitioned to appear like a male through synthetic hormones and surgery. I will never be a man. Is it transphobic for me to tell the truth? Why is it that a couple hundred years from now, if you dug up my body, they're gonna go, yeah, that was a woman, had babies. Can you tell me about the procedures that you, you had? I've had seven surgeries. I've had one stress heart attack. I've had a helicopter life ride uh, with pulmonary embolism. I've had uh, 17 rounds of antibiotics. I had six inches of hair on the inside of my urethra for 17 months. Nobody would help me, including the doctor that did this to me because I lost my insurance. I get infections every three to four months. I'm probably not gonna live very long. Was there any real discussion of the risks and the side effects and no no there's not and i know that people want to think that there is but there's not the truth is is that medical transition is experimental we have um studies that said that medical transition helps mental health helps mental health with kids they've all been retracted modified changed but the only long-term study tells us seven to ten years is when transgender people are the most suicidal. After? After surgery. But that's transphobic to say. For the first time in history, a marginalized group has a huge dollar sign on the top of their head. We have five children's hospitals in the United States promoting that. What? That's a phallioplasty. That's a bottom surgery. We have five children's hospitals in the United States telling girls that they can be boys at $70,000 a pop in a surgery that has a 67% complication rate. That will kill me from infection that I can't sue on. We're butchering a generation of children because nobody's willing to talk about anything. I have three kids at the age that they're doing this to kids. I'm not transphobic. I love my kids and I love other people's kids and you should too. This is wrong on so many levels. Can kids consent? Do you think kids are no. capable of consenting to this? No, they're not. Being a parent is loving the hell out of your kids and helping them see around corners. What's the, what's the youngest patient that you've operated on? The youngest patient I've done vaginoplasty on um, is age 16. Do you worry that minors just don't understand enough about themselves. They're not neurologically developed enough yet to make permanent life-altering decisions? Absolutely not. A young person's self-perception, one day they may be clear, the next day they may be totally confused and not sure. 
and you're affirming it with hormones that have never been used in this way in the, in the field of medicine. You're talking about puberty blockers? Blockers and then opposite sex hormones. And at what age does the medical transition begin with uh, medication? So medical affirmation begins when the patient says they're ready for it. So that could be a, a kiddo who is just starting puberty and panicking because they're getting breast buds or their penis is getting bigger and busier and they're worried about all kinds of masculine changes. And that way, puberty blockers, which are completely reversible and don't have permanent effects, are wonderful because we can put that pause on puberty. Just like if you were listening to music, you put the pause on and we stop the blockers and puberty would go right back to where it was. The next note in the song just delayed that period of time. So I just want to point out Matt Walsh is transitioning through talking to different doctors about what puberty blockers do. And previously to that, asking, you know, is a child cognitively developed enough to make a life-changing decision? And asking that question of different doctors and hearing their responses. And so I want to go back into one more part. You can just pause puberty. No, you can't. And then pick it up? No, you can't. For the future? No, you can't. How many studies do they have, long-term studies, on hormone blockers for children? None. I just spoke a month or two ago with a mother whose 14-year-old daughter was put on blockers. They discovered after two years, this 14-year-old girl has osteoporosis. That's something that, like, old women get. How can doctors assure parents that a certain medicine is totally safe? Based on what you're saying, they can't possibly know that. How can they be removing the healthy breasts of 15-year-old girls? How can they be sterilizing kids? How can this whole thing be happening, Matt? Every child that they convince is, is transgender and in need of medical transition, it generates $1.3 million to pharma. And we're believing a pharmaceutical company, Lupron, hormone blockers, reversible, so they say. Well, the truth is, is that in 2003, Lupron was sued and deemed a criminal enterprise by the U.S. government. They paid the most fine of any pharmaceutical company at that time, $874 million, wrote a check. Is Lupron chemical castration? Yes. We're giving it to pedophiles, aren't we? We're giving it to people that are dying, and we're giving it to kids telling them that they were born in the wrong body and it's completely safe. One of the drugs used is Lupron, right? Which mm -hmm. has actually been used to chemically castrate sex offenders? You know what? I'm not sure that we should continue with this interview because it seems like it's well, going in a particular direction. Well, you're a medical professional. I am a medical professional. So you don't want to talk about the drugs that you give to kids or? Again. I'm a physician and I use medication. You're choosing exploitive words, drugs I give to you. I'm, I'm choosing a chemical word that was in a dictionary. That's not. Do you remember what I was talking about earlier? How some of us assume words mean the same thing to other people? Like drugs. Most of us, when we use the word drugs, especially if we're in an environment where we're speaking about medical procedures and speaking to medical professionals, 
the understanding is that we're talking about quote unquote legal pharmaceutical drugs, not street drugs, right? In this clip, you can hear the fun word play that individuals use when they're feeling backed into a corner and presented with what's that word most people don't like to use? Logic, right? I want to, I just, I just want to reiterate and ask you if throughout this podcast, more things have been piecing together for you. And if you're coming into a different understanding of what our society is struggling through right now, we have double think in every headline, in every live stream, in everything that has been mass produced to convince and coerce our citizens that what they hear is not what they hear and what they see is not what they see. And to suspend disbelief, to suspend logical reality, to suspend objective critical thought and be swayed under the guise of empathy and to be swayed under the guise of inclusion and to be convinced, even convicted, to cling on to these collective narratives that are sold to you under the guise of community connection, but are really about destroying dignity and erasing individual thought. $1.3 million per pop. $1.3 million to the pharmaceutical industry. Have they not made enough money off of our ignorance, our fear? Science is the new religion, and it is a religion of zealots, of individuals who believe that they have been specially elected to be the saviors of the world. And you probably see it like I do. How many of your friends and family and neighbors who worship at the altar of fallacy and fuckery, of a subjective reality, of a suspension of disbelief, of a suspension of logic, of a suspension of literal science, of sex. And they're all told that this is their free will, that this is their true identity, that their true identity is wrapped up in some label that's been given to them from the party. It's all propaganda. It's all derivative of division and disconnection. It's all aimed at keeping us at a controlled insanity. I just want to leave you with the definition of doublethink as George Orwell penned in his classic 1984. Doublethink means the power of holding two contradictory beliefs in one's mind simultaneously and accepting both of them. Doublethink is to tell deliberate lies while genuinely believing them. Orwell continues on, Even the names of the four ministries by which we are governed exhibit a sort of impudence in their deliberate reversal of facts. The Ministry of Peace concerns itself with war, the Ministry of Truth with lies, the Ministry of Love with torture, and the Ministry of Plenty with starvation. These contradictions are not accidental, nor do they result from ordinary hypocrisy. 
they are deliberate exercises in doublethink, for it is only by reconciling contradictions that power can be retained indefinitely. In no other way could the ancient cycle be broken. If human equality is to be forever averted, if the high, as we have called them, are to keep their places permanently, then the prevailing mental condition must be controlled insanity. Thank you for listening to Recorded Conversations. And until next time, take care.